Wow, we've really run the gamut of different topics in 2022 so far. A quarter of the way through the year, and we've talked about everything from self-employed to first-time buyers to investing to trends to you name it. And it's been such a hit, interesting actually to see what types of things that people react to. Now, one thing that people keep coming back to is learning about the process of using their home equity to create wealth. And there's a lot of different ways to do that, but one of the ways that we talk about, obviously, is through real estate investments. Now, one that got me to thinking about uh, the different things that people are confused about and don't understand properly uh, after a few conversations last week, and those are the different types of expenses related to buying investment property. Now, this is meant to be certainly a 101 of the standard fixed and variable, we're not talking about mortgages here, but standard fixed and variable expenses as it relates to buying investment real estate. It's not an exhaustive list. Again, keep in mind there's other considerations, but I'd say it's pretty thorough. And I know that there will be things in here that you haven't thought about before and certain considerations that you probably have not looked into in the past. So whether you've bought one investment property or you own multiple, perhaps there's something in here that you will pick up and it will help you out. If this is your first journey into buying real estate and you wanna understand more about the expenses related to owning a home, I think you're gonna find value for sure in this conversation as well. Um, it'll be a good one. Hey guys, we really want to thank everybody who's been listening to the show this year. It has been uh, awesome to see the growth and to see our, our our listeners continue to grow and expand all over BC and all over Canada. We've got listeners. Again, if you're loving the podcast, we ask you for one thing for the price of entry, and that is a review. Now on Spotify, you can just quickly just go over to the actual podcast and you can hit that five-star review if you're loving it. On iTunes, just as easy, same thing. Uh, if you would leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes with any comments, anything that you love about the show, any feedback that you'd like us to continue to talk about, that would be fantastic and we'd really greatly appreciate you. So if you're one of our new listeners or if you've been around for a while, if you take that five minutes out of your day, it would mean the world to us to keep going forward. Now, of course, if you have any questions about mortgage financing, whether it's a renewing, refinancing, lots of opportunities there, you're looking to buy your new property or you want to plan towards the future and you'd like to hire us as your team, uh, make sure to visit our website at thrivemortgage.ca or find us on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co., or at the YBR Remo Show. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, aside from that, I'm excited to talk about today's topic and I'm sure you're ready to listen to it. So we'll see you on the other side and thanks for listening. What's up guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket Great wealth in real estate and simplify the complicated. A big part of our day-to-day -day conversations on the podcast have always leaned towards creating wealth in real estate. And one of those factors is always real estate as an investment. Now, it's nice to have people come on the show and talk about the different types of expenses that they associate or that they are looking for when they're looking at buying an investment property or a real estate investment. And I think that's something that we'll continue to do because it's important to understand the different types of investments and how the costs vary when you're analyzing something. For today's show, we really wanna bring it back and help people understand if you're buying your first, second, third investment property, or maybe you've just never really spent the time to understand the associated expenses and break them down. We wanna help you understand some of the expenses so you're not caught off guard 
when it comes to looking to purchase an investment property for whatever first, second, third, fifth time. Hopefully by the fifth time you figure this all out, but maybe if it's your first, you understand what you need to look out for. I wanna be clear and say that we're not suggesting you guys be scared or nervous about a property. You're better to go in with eyes wide open then walk into an investment and not know the downside. It's no different than investing in the stock market. Like anything else, you have to know the downside and the costs associated with this. So I think really what we're going to try to do here today is we're going to talk a little bit about accurately estimating uh, expenses and, and where to start off. We'll touch on a certain potential fixed expenses. Keep in mind, not every property has these. We'll talk a little bit about variable expenses, and then we'll also talk, touch on bringing it all together when it comes to analyzing uh, these costs associated with an investment property altogether. So whew, let's get into it. Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, there's there's fixed, there's variable, and then there's also your purchase closing costs that I think everyone needs to be aware of. Um, why don't we just start off with some of the fixed costs that you can expect to see uh, owning and getting into an investment property or sometimes just any property. Um, property taxes are a big one, right? Property taxes are going to vary depending on the municipality. Um, you know, certain cities such as Maple Ridge are actually quite a bit more expensive than Langley and Surrey. So understanding your property co uh, property tax cost is huge. Um, also keep in mind that if it is a property uh, for the purpose of investment, if it's a rental, you're not going to get the homeowner's grant, uh, that 500 and change taken off. So you're going to be liable for the full property tax bill. Um, one flaw that we see people make is they don't account for this. They don't put money aside. And at the end of the year, they're getting a bill for three or four thousand dollars and they have not saved that money so if that is your situation um, and you're not you know proactively putting that money aside you can typically have uh, your institution the bank or credit union uh, or mortgage lender collect that money on your behalf and remit it to the city for you to Derek's point there it's really important to understand the actual city that you're looking at and the type of property whether it be strata which we'll touch on in a quick second detached or uh, bare land strata and so forth because as you mentioned like some cities will cover you know, water and sewer and others maybe more rural properties will cover other things and all these considerations need to be considered in your overall like ability to analyze the costs associated with this property right so property tax that's a good one and to your point really quickly to piggyback on that a lot of people don't know about the property tax grant um, in in British Columbia in particular and some other locations check your obviously location or your province where you're living there are grants that if you live or occupy the property or you're of a certain age or you have a handicap as defined by the government, um, you actually have the ability to get a rebate or a reduction in your property taxes. Again, that's for the purpose of occupying it, not investment, but just to define that just in case anybody doesn't know. Strata payments per month are something to be very aware of and what that includes. Uh, I've been surprised lately to see that some of the new buildings that we're seeing built are actually including an internet package as part of your strata payment, whether it's Shaw or TELUS coming into these buildings and providing a, a lot more than what you may be typically used to with a strata payment. But strata payment has to be factored in because not only is that a fixed cost, but it's a cost that actually can go up. And we've seen strata payments go up quite significantly over the past due to insurance reasons uh, and so on and so forth. So it's something to definitely be prepared for. And I typically always budget for at least a 20% higher strata payment just to be safe uh, and to be able to build a performa for more of a future basis than just the here and now. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely massive. I mean, to your point, when you're looking at straddle, I mean, definitely, if someone's looking to invest into real estate, and they're looking at buying a strata, it's super important, as you mentioned, to be aware of the potential upcoming costs associated with that. And, and I, I didn't hear you say this. So forgive me if I uh, missed this, but depreciation report, is that something that you, you said that you would look at as far as the ongoing costs? I know that's a little bit more towards the variable expenses. But something that you want to think about, right? Definitely. And, and that's like really diving into the, the strata documents itself and figuring out, okay, what is coming up on this building, especially if it's an old building, like is, does the roof need to be done? These are things that, you know, the strata will start to account for and start to budget for. And by budgeting, they'll increase your strata payment to, to essentially cover those costs in X amount of time that that repair needs to be repaired. Uh, but and again, that's why I always kind of just look at it as a default. Like if my strata payments, you know, $350, I'd just increase it by 20% for the sake of my performa. And just to, just to try to be a little bit conservative uh, from that side of things and just ensure that, you know, sometimes there is that unknown, like we saw in the last couple of years where insurance just skyrocketed for strata payments and, uh, and people just weren't prepared for that. And, you know, 20% uh, might not have been enough for some of those increases, but it, it appears that anything that, that is insurance based right now seems to have kind of already taken its, its increase. Um, and so I think where we're at from, from a perspective of strata payments locally, I think it seems to be pretty stable, but again, to your point, depreciation reports, future assessments, those are things that are going to impact it for sure. Yeah, I know. I know we went off a little track there because that would be considered what we call a variable expense, something that not, not necessarily we know 100% that could happen, but it d certainly is something that you can budget towards and be aware of when you're purchasing or analyzing some type of investment property and in, in depreciation reports in case someone hasn't bought strata in the past, those are readily available with nearly most. Uh, strata properties. I don't know the amount of time in between how frequently they have to publish them. I think it's every three to five years they have to publish a report of this nature, uh, maybe a little bit further around. But I mean, if you see a building that's 20 years old and they haven't done a depreciation report or they haven't done one in 10 years, that's also cause for concern in terms of not knowing what could be coming up. So something to look at if you're analyzing the expenses of that property. Um, again, I think when we're talking about fixed expenses, we should be really clear. They're not necessarily fixed in the amount that they are, but they're fixed in the sense that you pay these every single month. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about uh, a few of the other common expenses to analyze there. Yeah. I mean, we, you guys have touched on insurance a couple of times, which can boost costs of strata. Insurance is something that you're always going to pay, whether it's a strata property or detached. Um, it's house insurance, right? It's liability insurance, it's flood insurance, it's everything you can imagine you need to be covered. Uh, in a strata property, the strata actually has its own insurance policy which covers uh, the building itself. You would have homeowners insurance uh, or renters insurance for essentially everything inside, including the tenants, uh, in case something was to go wrong. And that is a cost that you absolutely will be paying month over month. Um, just so everybody knows, anybody that is uh, putting a mortgage on a property, you have to have house insurance. A bank will not fund a mortgage without insurance. So if you're in the midst of purchasing, like we recommend all of our clients get their insurance sorted out uh, before they remove subjects so that there's no surprises. Uh, we've seen this far too many times where people People forget about this and they're reminded by their lawyer two days before completion that they need insurance so make sure you tackle that make sure you understand the cost um, strata properties specifically that's where you could see a, a higher expense right and and certain detached homes depending on you know the structure of the home like a log home as an example something in a floodplain like these are situations where you're going to see a much higher insurance cost than you would on your typical you know detached home in, a, in an urban center just on insurance costs, it, I, I find it's best to get this quoted before even removing subjects in a purchase situation, uh, especially to your point about 
you know, what, what could the insurance cost be because it's a strata and because there's a bigger deductible because of strata ish insurance items, which we've seen, or even more importantly, like a lot of people go into this, especially as a first investment property buyer uh, and thinking that insurance costs are going to be similar to what it is on their primary residence, where rental, when you're insuring a home for the purpose of rent, it is going to be a higher cost. Uh, and, and these are things that can surprise people and change the, the performer a little bit. So I always say get, get your insurance agent on this well, well in advance uh, of, of closing and even try to do this at subject removal so you know the full numbers. Yeah, really good points on all the above. Uh, the insurance thing is unique and it's so interesting because, again, uh, if you talk to an a, um, experienced investor or someone who's bought multiple properties, Ultimately, they know right away that insurance is definitely one of those considerations that they're looking at based on, as you mentioned before, the property type, how it's built, um, electrical, age of the unit, all these different types of things. And it has to be a major considerations in your overall uh, performa when you're buying a property, your cost versus uh, benefit to doing so. So, um, yeah, I don't think we can undermine or understate that. If you guys need, uh, if you're located in British Columbia and you need a recommendation, we'd be happy to provide one. Uh, but aside from that, you know, ultimately just something more to think about. Um, now, assuming we're buying a property as an investment, you have two options when you're buying a property as an investment. You can manage it yourself or you can hire somebody to manage it. And this is really dependent on A, the location, where is it? Uh, B, what type of investment? Is it short-term, medium-term, long-term? Uh, C, your time, right? Like for me personally, I don't have time to manage another property or any other business for that matter. So we, another consideration that you're gonna wanna look at is the actual management of a property. And this is something to consider in terms of total cost. Now, typically a property manager would charge a percentage of your income. And what I mean by that is if you earn $2,000 per month in rent, then they would typically charge a percentage of that in terms of uh, an expense. Now, they can charge a placement fee if they're finding a tenant, they can charge often that would be half of a month. Uh, sometimes more, it depends on who you're working with. And as I mentioned before, depending on if it's short term or long term, they will charge a certain expense for managing the unit. Now, these costs really vary. I mean, for a short term rental, we've seen expenses as high as 20 to 30% of the actual uh, monthly income. For uh, medium term, which would be a furnished rental, but maybe month by month, uh, typically I would see somewhere between 10 to 20% on average. That's a big range, but I've seen the range. And short uh, or long term, really that, that varies, but often six to 10% is a standard that we've seen for uh, long term investments. And so when you're looking to analyze that property and you're looking at the rental income, if you are not going to be close to that property, that is an ultra important consideration what those property management fees, uh, what are they? Also, would they cover or would they include any of the other expenses in their calculations? I've seen it where uh, property managers will cover uh, or as por a portion of that minor uh, repairs or minor fixes or things of that nature and that's why their percentage could be higher. Ultimately, it's just super important to get transparent to understand what these are when you're looking at moving forward with any property. Yeah, and I think just on that note, understanding what's involved if you plan on managing the property yourself, especially if you're considering doing short term, I mean, you have to think about that. You have people coming and going every three or four days, constant requests. It's going to be a ton of work. So before you take on managing any type of property, chat with some people that own rental properties, get an understanding of, of what it's actually going to entail. Like a lot of people are busy with their own lives and their kids and their jobs. And uh, it's just not something that's realistic. So you need to do your due diligence and it doesn't always make sense to do it yourself, even if it is costing you, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, but I think the last two big fixed costs that we could touch on 
uh, mortgage, obviously, if you have a mortgage, that's a cost you need to understand. If it's a variable mortgage, you need to understand that if you're in a product, uh, if, if rates are going up or down, your payment could fluctuate. There are variable mortgage products that uh, have a static payment, meaning that even when rates change, your payment does not have to change. So if you're curious about that, let us know. But um, that's a big one, right? It's probably typically going to be your biggest expense uh, in owning an investment property is the actual cost of the mortgage. So that, of course, needs to be factored in. Um, and then probably last one, I mean, HELOC as well. You know, if, if you... If you leveraged a property and you are using a HELOC or maybe a refinance, you need to account for that. You need to account for the fact that you you could be taking on an extra payment to extract your down payment, right? Um, so from a finance perspective, mortgage on the investment property as well as HELOC or potential refinance on another property if it's producing uh, or creating a, another payment for you. Yeah, agreed on all of the above. Uh, the mortgage expense, uh, like you mentioned before, not just the uh, interest cost, but obviously the monthly expense variable or fixed, understanding the market can fluctuate up or down. So setting some kind of a, uh, a buffer there is absolutely massive to your point, specifically in a rate market where rates are changing. We experienced a timeline of the last few years where rates were historically and incredibly low. And a lot of people got into variable rate mortgage, which is not a bad thing, but a lot of variable rate mortgage payments, they go up or down based on uh, market conditions. So, you know, ultimately being aware of that, you know, it, it may seem obvious, but I think for some people it's not obvious and they don't plan a buffer. So planning that buffer out would be uh, absolutely massive. Well, let's talk about some more um, variable expenses and other considerations. Other variable expenses would include things like vacancy. So, um, although it might not be an expense, it is something that you have to plan towards. Your property may not likely be occupied 100% of the time. Sorry to hear it. Sorry to say it. But instead of uh, you know being upset about that or having someone be gone for you know two weeks or three weeks or a month or you know whatever the type of property is, just be aware of it. Uh, prepare for some form of vacancy. Now um, you know it depends on what area you're looking to buy in. Um, and you know where what type of property you're looking for right like we talked about short-term Airbnb or we talked about long-term it also depends on the city if you're in a, a larger city often with uh, lower vacancy rates typically you could be rented for a lot shorter time frame you need to plan out something so I mean you know given the uh, fact that we live in the Vancouver area and Fraser Valley ultimately our vacancy rates are extraordinarily low and if you have a desirable property you could plan for a vacancy rate as low as two and a half to five percent of, uh, of a year but you know, again, that's subjective. What is your property type? Is it unique? Is it more costly? Is it lower? Is it more desirable? What is that uh, situation? You need to plan that out. Yeah, 100% plan for a rainy day, plan for a worst case scenario uh, in all situations. Um, so really good points there. And I think probably just the last fixed cost that I can think of anyways, you guys can chime in if there's anything else, but utilities. And this depends on how you're how your lease is structured with your tenant. Some tenants are required to pay the cost of utilities such as hydro, uh, gas, you know, stuff like that. So it all depends. Some people will pay a lower rent cost knowing that they're taking on, on those hard costs for you. But if it's on you, again, that is another cost that you have to factor in that is definitely gonna be charged monthly. Yeah, it's a good point, especially if you're operating a short-term rental, you're, you're gonna be covering those costs and you're gonna need to cover uh, items like internet and or cable um, when 
whenever you're uh, doing a short-term rental, you're going to expect those types of services when you rent uh, a Airbnb. So you should make sure you're covering that. And so things like a Netflix account or, or certain items that people can access is, is important. And those are things you should factor in as fixed costs. Couldn't agree more. Let's talk about putting this all together here and make a lot more sense of this if someone's looking to analyze this from an investment standpoint. Again, we're really hoping that you know someone who's listing this can be hyper aware of expenses walking into um, purchasing an investment property and just be aware of other types of considerations here. So um, what you should do is if you're looking to buy an investment property, you want to analyze this in something similar to or a uh, pro forma. Uh, a pro forma, basically what it does is allows you to punch in a variety of numbers and it can be as simple as punching in the uh, mortgage amount, the expenses, um, and, and adding those up, and then of course adding in your, your cash flow or income and then providing you with the out, output. But a more uh, useful pro forma could also provide you with the actual return on investment. So things that we like to look for if we're looking at a property are A, cash flow. So how much cash am I returning after these expenses, including variables, both from a conservative and an aggressive standpoint. B, we want to look at what would be the mortgage pay down because again, as always, when we're buying an investment property, although we have expenses, you know, we're having someone pay off our mortgage. So let's see what that looks like. And, and of course, what, uh, what kind of income that we will return just by having someone pay off the mortgage or what kind of benefit investment return we'll have, I should say. Uh, other considerations that you typically look for if you're analyzing a property, I know this doesn't fall into the expense area, but that would be property appreciation. And of course, you want to combine all of that together. So you want to combine the pay down and the principal appreciation along with the cash flow to give you your total equity gain or total return on this property. Kind of complicated if you're listening to the podcast. So certainly something where you'd want to have a, a look at a performa. You can generally speaking, just Google performa and you'll find lots of images if you want to visualize all this stuff. But that being said, I mean, again, you can't get the proper accurate numbers without factoring, uh, factoring in, as Derek mentioned, the property taxes, as the guys mentioned, insurance, um, you know, vacancy, uh, other investments, these types of, or sorry, other costs. Lots to consider there. I'm going to take a deep breather here because I'm running out of breath. We go to an extra level here where we'll actually factor in the cost of like a home equity line of credit if we use that for the down payment or, or any sort of financing for the down payment. And that is common in, in a lot of uh, clients approach where, you know, looking to access equity from a home and buy another home. That's a that's a big number that you don't want to forget about because you are paying for those funds. And, and yes, it may just be increasing the cost of your primary residence mortgage or, or another rental property, but adjust your performance accordingly and and carve it out. And, and our performance that we use, we actually specifically account for that. Another variable expense to consider is just strictly maintenance. I don't think we've touched on maintenance too much here, but um, you have to expect that if a tenant's living in your house and the fridge goes, like that is on you. You are paying for a new fridge or you're paying to get it serviced. Um, obviously just annual general maintenance on a property. This is not talking about things that are breaking and going wrong, right? You need to have your gutters cleaned. You need to have your roof cleaned off. Like you need to pressure wash the house every year. So you, you can't go into this thinking that you're just gonna be bringing in rent and cash flowing a hundred bucks a month and you're laughing. Like realistically, we tell people that they should have a slush fund of about six months worth of rent set aside and that accounts for vacancies that accounts for some of this maintenance that can pop up um, but yeah that's it's a big one that people don't think about especially on a detached home right strata typically takes care of exterior maintenance and landscaping if it's a detached home you have to consider
consider these things. I mean, if you're buying in Alberta as an example, like snow removal, right? Or this is something you have to factor into your lease that the tenant has to take care of it. So snow removal is massive. <laughs> if you live in a, a province that snows six months a year. Tenants slipping on icy drivers, they can actually come after you and, and sue you for that. So you want to make sure those, those driveways are cleared. But one thing I always touch on is preventative maintenance. Like I would say hands down, it's the number one issue in, in a condo building or, or any strata building is leaks, water issues, major water issues. People, uh, tenants don't seem to care about homes as the way a homeowner would. Um, things get left, uh, things don't get watched, like dishwashers, faulty, uh, you know, toilet um, connections and whatnot. And, and we see this a lot where th these issues are, are massive. Like, you know, one flood in one unit could damage nine, 10 units below it. Um, and there are some preventative things you can do. And we've just recently discovered water monitors in, in our rental properties where we actually have water monitors under any area that uh, a tap or, or, or line could break. And those are, I mean, those will save you thousands of dollars in, in, in headaches and insurance increases and whatnot, just to be able to uh, identify a water issue. Yeah, I mean, let's just, I just want to touch on that for a quick second here, because it's kind of like plan for the unexpected is the best case scenario and plan for the worst case scenario always when you're analyzing any investments and obviously hope for the best is is kind of the theme of what we should be talking about when you're getting into investment property does that mean that you know if you purchase a property and or sorry if you're looking at a property and you've planned out everything that could go wrong and the numbers don't look as rosy as you were hoping that it's a bad investment i mean obviously i can't really specify that without looking at the investment in particular but generally speaking it's always better to over over overestimate anything and everything that you have and set aside as dean was talking about right there set aside what we like to call a staying power fund which is basically confirmation of having money available whether it's your cash savings or a heloc of course ideally some kind of cash in order to ensure that you're in a position where you again all these surprises can be uh easily um what's the word here overcome by making sure you have the cash available. That's probably the biggest piece of feedback I'd get from all that. Yeah, so just a recap, um, know your numbers, right? Like you have to you have to go this detailed to really know the numbers on an investment property before you make the purchase. And again, like Alex mentioned at the beginning, this is not to scare you, but this is real life, right? Like these are the real numbers. So you have to go through this process and make sure that's a property that makes sense financially. Last thing I'll throw out there is if you do this performa and it's showing that you're negative 200 bucks a month, like you're putting out 200 bucks a month after rent and everything's been paid, that's not necessarily a bad thing. When you look at future values and you look at principal pay down, right? Uh, if we were to run the numbers, I mean, you know, people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars over two, three, four, five years. Show me where else you can put $200 a month, that's going to turn into something like that, right? So just keep that in mind. It's not a negative thing. If you're out of pocket, you just need to make sure it's affordable for you. Agree to all of the above. Make sure it's affordable. Analyze your numbers, overanalyze, check everything. Don't forget the HELOC, as Dean's mentioned multiple times. Um, if you see an, uh, um, a performa advertised by a, a developer or by a company, run your own numbers. That's probably really, 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 really key. And double check your own numbers because it's, uh, of course, they're trying to sell something. So they're always going to make it as rosy as possible. And just go into it with eyes wide open. Don't be afraid of investment. I think there's tons of great opportunities. We just want you guys to be aware of it when you walk through the door. Anything else there, Dean, that we need to touch on? No, you guys covered it all. That's great. That's it. All right. 
101 on expenses when looking to buy an investment property. Thanks, guys, for listening. As always, if you want to find out more information, find us on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. or at the YBR Remo Show. If you're liking the show, leave us a five-star review. If you want to see more of this kind of stuff, make sure to let us know if you're looking for a different type of content. We always love your feedback. Send it through the Instagram page, and we'll be happy to listen to what you have to say. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.